0: Financial advisor
1: Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, November thirtieth, twenty twenty-two edition, and yet you made it to the end of the eleventh month of the year, and that means tomorrow, when you wake up, it's going to be December, and even some parts of the world uh, in Europe and and uh, further east, it is already December. And that means the year is moving by pretty fast, and uh, Christmas is coming up. Uh, but what I want to start off today uh, with is a quick, quick line that is is common, uh, but I don't think common enough uh, in today's world. Uh, it is an old saying, and it is basically: there are no gurus. Only cycles. Let me repeat that. There are only, there are no gurus, only cycles. And you can think of the most recent gurus uh, and their recent downfalls. Kathy Wood and the ARC funds, same Sam, Sam Bakeman Freed, and the myth that he was the JP Morgan of the crypto universe. No, he was just one of probably very many frauds that are out there within the crypto space because it's unregulated kind of say and do whatever you want uh and what happens here is that people are attracted to the big stories the the big returns and they ha- they herald these people as some sort of geniuses that are far superior to regular ordinary people but in reality they're just human and oftentimes their biggest flaw for a short period of time at least becomes their biggest strength and that is concentrated bets and then being and being having the right timing you know, kathy wood was just a whatever portfolio manager for a long time and she hit a few years a couple of years really one year uh, where she did fabulously well because she was so concentrated in quote unquote disruptive tech but this is not a new story this story goes back decades and decades not hundreds of years now I won't go back that far and give you another example This was the late 90s, 97. And there was an investor named Garrett Van Wagoner. And he he was heralded as a stock genius, stock picking genius. In a couple strong years, he got chronicled on Frontline in January of 97. And he had a great run between that time and the peak in 2000 of the tech bubble. And if you invest in January of 99, your $10,000 turned into about $45,000 in just a span of a few years, 66% annualized over those three years. The Problem is, is that over the next several years, the internet bubble popped, the NASDAQ fell 78% and Ben Wagner didn't do very well. He couldn't pivot. His concentration, once again, turned into his biggest weakness. And so for investors, there was a staggering 63% loss of investor capital. Annualized return of negative 7.8% per year since inception. So it just shows you that anybody can get hot at any time. And frankly, if you have such outlandish returns over a short period of time, the odds are extremely high that you were more lucky than good. And so the lesson here is really don't chase the outliers. Don't chase the headlines. You should chase consistency. Consistency. This is not a get rich quick endeavor despite what you saw in 2000, 2000 sorry 2020 and 2021 okay so this is a a lesson you need to learn and so many people I know we have a, a lot of listeners that kind of came on during the COVID crisis found us during the COVID crisis And I said this uh, last week that sometimes they take us for granted the lessons that I've learned for 20 plus years doing this. 25 years, really, I've been involved with markets. And luckily, I had my grandfather to mentor me and taught me a lot of lessons that he learned in the 50 years in markets before then. Right? So, I like to think I have, you know, combined experience just learning from all of that. But a lot of people don't. You know, they, they, it's human nature to express fear and greed, and greed is often uh, the emotion that many people have felt over the past uh, couple of years. This year, a little more fear, but it's about consistency. It's about controlling those emotions, okay? Now, I'm Justin Klein. And I'm here to help you develop that mindset so you're not chasing the outliers. You're not expressing those emotions in your decision making process so that you are making good sound decisions on a consistent basis so the phone lines are open ready for your call 24 hours a day seven days a week at 888 chart you can call live during our 4 to 5 pacific time live stream as well and talk to me i love that i've got a lot of material to discuss with you today one is my main focus point which is Four practical steps to control your overspending habits. And I know this is invest talk, talk a lot about investing, but investing is only one part of your financial journey. Saving and spending correctly, efficiently, effectively are also a huge part. It's not sexy, it's not fun, but it's necessary. So we're gonna look at that story. Also, does inequality drive stock market performance and multiples? We're gonna look at that. Also, Black Friday weekend, we just got done with that. We know Cyber Monday, just a couple days ago. We're consumer spending. We're gonna touch on what the trade groups are saying there. And then lastly, how COVID controls in China are hitting factory production over there. I also have some voice bank questions to call to, to play as well. One is on Big Bank Bonds as well as Global Net Lease Inc. So we have this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk and of course your live calls as well at 989 chart. Let's take a quick look at the markets today. It was a very bullish day on a a relatively dovish fed or drone pal speech basically saying yeah we're going to slow our pace of our not the pace slow the degree of our rate hikes starting in december Uh, and now there's a very high likelihood that there'll be a 50 basis point uh, increase in december you also had the adp jobs number that came out that was much weaker than expected that maybe is a harbinger for what you're going to see on friday and i do think that uh, that we're gonna see a pretty weak jobs report. And in this environment, you know, the Fed the the, the markets want to see the Fed become more dovish. And today you definitely got a little a couple of data points, both in a speech and economic data, that says a more dovish Fed is in the offing. Now we're heading into a break. I welcome your finance and investment questions now. And no question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda. So give InvestTalk a call at 888-99-CHART. In today's
2: world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each Invest Talk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. Invest Talk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99 Chart.
3: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hello, Stephen Justin. This is John from Salt Lake City, Utah. On Friday on your best sub calls, you guys mentioned high grade corporate bonds. I was wondering where I could find some, whether they offering that 7.9% or something similar. I've been going on trying to find the actual bonds, but I was finding more funds than I were than I was bonds. you could give us a few suggestions on where to get or which ones are good high-grade corporate bonds, I'd appreciate it, look forward to hearing your answer. Thanks.
1: Now I can't tell you what corporate bonds to buy. That's something uh, I can only do for clients, can't do that on air, but what I can say is your broker should have a bond desk. We have TD Ameritrade, uh, they have a bond desk. Schwab has a bond desk, Fidelity has a bond desk. All the big brokers have a bond desk that you can go and buy bonds directly through. That's one way, they will charge a spread. They're gonna make some money. They're gonna uh, basically take a cut uh, and uh, they're gonna earn a little bit on that. Um, Unfortunately for the retail investor, it can be relatively hefty. Uh, it just depends on the bond, depends on the uh, the broker that you're using. Now we use a company called Market Access. They're actually a public company uh, and we aggregate our bond purchases with other institutions because we are an institution and we get much better pricing than you're gonna get from your bond desk uh, at your broker. But you can do that. You just have to call them up and they should have a tool. I know TD Ameritrade has a tool where you can search based on credit quality based on duration based on yield to maturity yield to worst etc you can uh, even filter by sector what sectors you want to have exposure to Um, but you're gonna have to do a little work right Uh, these are corporations you need to be confident they're going to be able to stay solvent stay in business between now and the time the bond matures Uh, and so otherwise you're gonna deal with defaults and and that's that's never fun so it does take a little work. Uh, typically, you can get much better yields. We are still seeing north of 7, although those yields have come uh, down a bit. Uh, but there's, there's still some good opportunities in that space. But you've got to do a little work. If you don't want to do a little work, then bond funds are, are okay. okay. Let's go to Kimberly in or- or- Orinda, California, looking at KRTX. KRTX, yes. It's a,
2: it's a biotech. And I was just wondering your opinion about this before I maybe buy something.
1: Okay. Uh, it's a biotech. It recently jumped up. It looks like, when was this? Uh, in August. Do you know why it jumped yes. up so dramatically?
2: I I think they were okayed for a schizophrenia
1: mm-hmm. drug okay. to
2: go to the uh, next step.
1: Got it. Okay.
2: In, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I always say biotechs are kind of like lottery tickets. You know, this is a name that just is burning capital. It's losing money. It's, this is all about the hopes and dreams of that. They're going to get through their phase three trial. It's not going to have any hiccups or problems. And then suddenly it it's drug has huge potential. Now it's already an $8 billion market cap. I don't uh, it's not just about getting it through but it's also what's the addressable market for this drug how effective is it is it good for all schizophrenia patients how many schizophrenia patients are there how much can they charge is it going to be covered by medicare there's a lot of complexities to know whether or not this is th- th- that it's going to be hugely beneficial to the company even if they get through it um so typically these are are poor Investments, unless you really understand the drug, understand the potential. It takes a lot of deep dive research to uh, to hit these correctly, especially ones that are already up so much. You know, there's a lot of that optimism priced in. Uh, the technicals are fine. It's been holding those levels since it, it did jump up. Uh, and so I, I would be fine with it, but you have to be very small in your exposure and you need to be comfortable with the risk. Thanks for the call. Now we're heading into a break. So give me a call at eight 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 ninety nine chart
2: One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts, and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99
1: Let's go to Kevin in Northern California looking at Triton International Limited. Hi, how's it going? It's going uh, well. Yeah, I, I've been buying uh, the stock maybe about a little over a year, a year and a half ago, and I'm maybe mm-hmm. up about 20% right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering if I should consider selling as it's near all-time highs. I'm a little worried that uh, revenue and earnings per share expectations are flattening, and if they're maybe over-earning right now. I'm also a little worried about their uh, current debt levels. All good worries. There's a lot of companies that did very, very well during the pandemic, and now their earnings are mean reverting. Now, so far, that has not been the case for Triton, even though earnings are are expected to drop 8% next year to $10.36, but that's still well, well above its pre-pandemic levels of earnings of $4.57. Now, this is in the industrial space. It's operative lesser of intermodal containers. Uh, so it it leases chassis which are used for the transportation of containers so it's in kind of the shipping industry in general I know there's been a shortage of containers uh, and uh, you know just the, the whole supply chain being gunked up uh, because of shutdowns in China uh, because of you know various rules uh, uh, finding, new places for uh production has stranded a lot of uh containers things like that so you know the containers in general are uh, in higher demand so is it over earning probably uh it's yielding 4.1 it looks like it can pay that i am a bit worried about that debt you are correct let me see is it going up or is it going down okay it's been going down recently so they've been paying down a little bit of it. well, The shares outstanding. That has been going down. They've been buying back shares. So I like that. Um, but yeah, if their business goes south, obviously that debt can be a worry. What I would probably do here is because the technicals are fine, the fundamentals look mm-hmm. fine. It's not expensive, especially if it's going to earn $10 plus per share next year. And it's trading at $67. I would be having a stop on it. And... You could use something like, I would probably use the 100-day moving average as my stop on this name. So right now, it's well above it. 100 days down at about 60 bucks. It's at 67 now. Uh, that's what I would use because technicals are good. It looks relatively strong. I have, I have no major issues with it in the near term. So just keep a stop on it. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point concerns this headline, four practical steps to control your overspending habits. And for some money can represent freedom, opportunity, security, or peace of mind. And different people have different responses to how they've grown up, what environment that they, uh, they were in. Some people grow up in households that have a lot of money and they're still very motivated. Uh, my, my girlfriend's a good example. She's a high, uh, a high achieving doctor and her father was a dentist, and kind of gave her whatever she wanted. But she still was competitive and high achieving, and she she handled it well. You know, I I know plenty of people that are in the opposite situation where, uh, or, or is the, their reaction is the opposite, meaning they grow up in a household with a lot of money, and you know they kind of don't have that competitive fire. Uh, they don't look at money the same same way, uh, and they they don't achieve uh, what they. But they really want to, because they just don't have that. And they kind of get lulled into that comfortness of or comfortability of just having money and the family having money. So everybody's relationship with money and spending is just a bit different. But most of us have some sort of overspending problem, whether that's habitually or it's on occasion. And this can hinder your longer-term goals, whether you come from money or not. Now, the first step to dealing with this is to admit you have a problem. And stop justifying. A lot of people say, I deserve it. Right? And just like any problem, the hardest step is honest reflection. Now, some people have the urge to spend when they don't feel good about themselves and going out there, buying that thing, buying that extra coffee, you know, and spending seven, eight, nine, ten 10 bucks on a coffee makes them feel good, even though they don't really need it. It's three in the afternoon, do you really need a coffee? No. So it's just being, having good, good self-awareness. Is number one the number two is to identify what your needs are and there's a universal there's your there universal needs and there are six of them one is survival security love and belonging esteem and meaning and the real trick is to find affordable ways to fulfill those needs okay and so think about the needs that you will forego if you overspend. Instead of saying, oh, I need that new outfit, say things like, I just need to feel more confident, okay? And these are ways to turn the attention and brainstorm new ideas, which is step three. And after the break, I'll get to step three and four. We're going into a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Dot com, HackerOne.com.
3: Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open
1: 888 99 chart. Now, before the break, uh, I touched on the first two steps to attacking your overspending habits. One is to admit you have a problem. Two is to identify those needs and find ways to address those needs in without going over budget. So there's often different ways to uh, attack whatever need you're trying to accomplish. So once again, survival, security, love and belonging, esteem, and meaning. Those are basically the five needs that all spending relates to so you should probably brainstorm some new ideas and new strategies and you can find things that can even eliminate or reduce your spending overall so for example you buy a new outfit but maybe from the clearance rack instead of buying an expensive gift that probably will be forgotten maybe take A little time go to michael's and browse the uh the aisles and maybe it'll spark the idea to make a gift that will be treasured longer than something that's just expensive and then resisting peer pressure i know a lot of people when they're younger they buy into the peer pressure and frankly most of the time when you're I've, i've learned this throughout the years most time when you're overspending in a social situation It's not around the people that are really great long-time friends. They're more acquaintances. And you don't really want to be breaking your budget, breaking your bank account for just acquaintances. So one good way to do this is to Brainstorm beforehand, knowing that you're going to go into a situation, knowing that maybe in the future, you're going to be in a situation, you're not going to feel good about yourself, you're going to be in a certain social situation, and this is how you are going to handle it. Maybe write down those strategies. Okay. And then lastly, don't feel bad. Everybody overspends from time to time, some more often than others. But make changes that you can be proud of and tell yourself. Reinforce that behavior when you do and take it day by day, you know, just like everything. If you look at trying to accomplish something, uh, as something that's going to take months or years, it's a big endeavor. But when you bite it off one bit at a time, just making good decisions day after day over an extended period of time, suddenly you can accomplish a lot. And that goes with spending habits as well. Now let's keep things moving and swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. And this question came in earlier from South Carolina. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Bryce calling from South Carolina. I was just looking at a portion of my portfolio targeting dividends and cash flow. Uh, I was wondering if you could look at Global
2: Net Lease, GNL. I noticed that it has Series A and Series B preferred shares. So I was wondering if you could clarify the difference between what
3: exactly preferred shares are and uh, what the expected uh, difference in return or price might be on those. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you on the show.
1: All right, now, preferred share is kind of a hybrid asset. It's not really equity, but it's not really a bond either. Uh, Basically, it is a... I would say it's closer to a bond because you don't get the upside of the positive trends of a business. It's issued at par. Typically the you know a bond is issued at hundred dollars at par, which it prefers usually $25 per par uh, and it paying some sort of a, a dividend to you kind of like an interest rate and it's typically fixed and there's often no maturity date, meaning there's not like a bond where it gets paid back to you. Typically, oh, let me let me go back. It's part of the capital structure. So let's say they'll go bankrupt. You're not a bond holder, so you're not paid first. Now you're paid ahead of the equity holder, so they're paid last, because you're a preferred equity, but Usually, the bondholders they get most of the assets, if not all. So you don't get the upside like equity holders, and you don't get the protection on the downside like bondholders. I don't really like them. I don't like preferred shares. They're not, you know, can you hold a little bit? It's fine, but in general, they're just not great investment vehicles. So I would pass on that now. You're looking at global net lease, GNL, and this is a REIT. You're looking at 11.8% dividend yield. Problem here is that it is globally diversified. That's good, except for the fact that the vast majority of their assets outside the country are in Europe. And Europe's obviously having some economic issues. It has office properties, industrial properties, distribution, retail. And others. Office buildings represent more than half of the properties. And that's the issue here. Is that it's completely tied or not completely, but mostly tied to the office market. And office market is struggling and probably will struggle for a long period of time. It does have a good amount of debt in its balance sheet. Uh, I don't expect that payout ratio to stay this high. Right now it's a 855 percent based on cash flow. It's 109 percent. Let's see. Are they issuing more debt? Mm, That's slowed down, so that's a positive. Are they issuing more shares? Mm, They have since since the start of the pandemic, so that's a bit of a worry. Um, You know, I just don't like it. I don't like. I think I know you're chasing that yield. Uh, They have decent cash flow right now, but uh, that looks to be. Uh, struggling in the market is pricing in a much tougher rental market cash flow from operations has gone from 241 million as of june all the way down to 194 million as of september that's trailing to months, so there's a big drop off in last quarter in cash from operations so uh, i would not be buying gnl global net lease thanks for the call now let's touch a bit on inequality. Now does inequality drive stock price valuations? And there's some studies by some big academics that say that's pretty much the case. And it's easy to see why, because the rich save about 20 times more in stocks than lower income people do. So for example, if you took so, one person that was earning a million dollars, they're gonna put about, tw- they're gonna put a certain percentage into stocks because they have a lot of money left over to invest from their day to day. But if you take 20 people and they're making 50,000 each, well, most vast majority of that money is going towards day to day life. Very little is left over to invest in stocks. And so there's that simple concept that, hey, if you have a lot of millionaires and billionaires, they're probably putting their money in stocks. And so that means prices go up. So it helps to explain why there's been an upward trend in valuation over the past 40 years. Now, part of it is interest going down, certainly part of it, but inequality has soared over that time. Now there are more millionaires and billionaires. Part of that is monopoly monopoly power in some industries. So they pay their employees and top executives very well. And so there's a lot of of reason for, for that. And there's a rising willingness of pension fund managers to invest in stocks. Now that's one argument. It's easier for individuals to buy, in, buy uh, individual stocks. There's the lower fees, popularity of ETFs and mutual funds. So that's one argument. But longer term, if you look at the ratio of household equity wealth to demand weighted income, it's near the highest level since the 60s. And so that's why if you look at like the CAPE ratio, the the, the multiples the market trades at, it hasn't really come down because inequality hasn't come down. And inequality has gone through long trends, goes through long trends of rising and falling. The roaring 20s was the high. So that's why you have those high multiples in the stock market. And But it declined really through 1980. And then it's been rising since. And so while you like to think that Risk appetite earnings are going to drive valuations while well, they do it in the long term in the short to medium term a lot depends on fear and greed and the willingness or ability to investing in stocks now there's some major trends that are shifting that could potentially drive profit margins down and bring wealth inequality more in line one is de-globalization and the push towards more industrial policy. Think of the CHIPS Act recently. And this means that more, and during the pandemic, -pandemic, post-pandemic, low-skill workers have actually done better than graduate workers for the first time in 25 years. So there's a lot of trends that are saying inequality is likely reverse that's not going to do it over one year or two years it's probably gonna take two three decades but that also means lower valuations lower multiples okay and so that's what you should another reason why you know you you have to focus on value stocks because those are the ones that are going to going to have the lowest headwinds from multiples coming down okay now we're moving, moving at a steady pace towards the end of the year. Only about four and a half weeks remain in 2022. And so you have to start thinking about the future, 2023 and your financial future. And the big question is, are you ready? Are you, Do you have updated strategies to deal with this changing market environment that we've been talking about? Well, if you need help, Understanding where you are, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve that at our company, KPP Financial, where we practice unbiased guidance and parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting, to send us a message through the allnewinvesttalk.com or call our office at 800 557 5461. Love to help you in any way sooner you reach out the sooner we can help get your portfolio optimized now this is invest talk coming up next we'll play another caller question so hang on
3: Hi, guys. This is Kent in Texas. Hey, guys, on TD Ameritrade's website, they have a a tab for bonds and CDs. And under that tab, they have new issues so you can buy bonds at at par. Nearly all their offerings are the big major banks like Citigroup, Chase, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley. Do you all have a problem, or how do you look at holding mainly those bonds in your
1: bond portfolio.
3: All right, my friends, thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
1: Well, we have no real issue with those companies in general. Uh, most of them have huge cash buffers because of post-financial post uh, crisis regulation, a lot of excess reserves in their balance sheet. So it's unlikely you're gonna have some sort of 08 credit crisis because of you know terrible lending uh, of the big, the big banks, I think most of the egregious lending has happened in the private equity, uh, space and could there be some spillover in, in some of those big banks? Sure. Uh, but we don't see them at risk of being insolvent, but that's kind of reflected in their yields. Their yields uh, to maturity is not that great compared to uh, a lot of the, the offerings that you can get in industrial space, energy space, commodity space, et cetera. Um, just, just better opportunities in other, other areas of the economy. Uh, but I have no issues with them, you know. If I'm going to pick one of the big banks, it's definitely going to be J.P. Morgan. They have the uh, the largest deposit base. They are probably the best run. They're uh, they don't make uh, bad uh, lending errors or nearly as bad as uh, some of the other ones, like City. City would probably be the lowest on the list of, one of those big banks that I'd want to uh, want to own uh, a bond on. Um, so, uh, but overall, it's just Everything's about risk versus reward. You really have to look at everything as risk versus reward. That's what investing is. And so it's not just about the yield you're getting, but what type of risks are you taking? Solvency risk, duration risk, etc. So they're fine. Having a couple of them as a part of a diversified portfolio, sure but not something I would go heavily in on because I don't love the risk versus reward. Now, the next invest Talk: the story behind this headline. Be sure to avoid mistakes with required minimum distributions for retirement accounts. You've got about a month left to make sure you get it right when it comes to mandatory withdrawals from your retirement accounts. And we're gonna get that to that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question live at 888-99-CHART.
3: The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Yes, this is Donald. I'm from Pennsylvania. I was looking at a stock commercial vehicle group. The ticker is
2: C-V-G-I seems to be in a downtrend that's in industrial space and I was wondering if you might take a look at it look at the debt and um, what might be a decent price for it give you your thoughts, I appreciate your insights
1: and thank you very much for your time Bye Alright this is Commercial Vehicle Group and they make solutions and components for the commercial vehicle market and my issue with this is not only are earnings and sales slowing. last three quarters you have earnings negative pretty dramatically year over year. It doesn't pay a dividend uh, but it's the long term profitability metrics. Turn assets right now is only three percent and historically is kind of average around two percent kind of around the flat line. It's never really been a big earner. Return on equity, 13% currently, long-term average, about 9%, just kind of okay. Has a decent amount of debt its balance sheet, so that worries me a bit, and that's been going up over the past uh, year or so. And the shares outstanding also continues to kind of trend higher. So there's nothing about this name that gets me excited. So I would move on, find a better name. I know it's in the industrial space, but... In general, I want something that has more cons that is more consistently profitable, uh, and it's positive cash flow right now. That cash flow is negative. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's check in on the holiday shopping season, or at least the kickoff of the holiday shopping season. Now, about 193 million Americans visited stores or shopped online between Thanksgiving Day and Cyber Monday. That's according to the National Retail Federation. The number of shoppers choosing physical stores was up 17% year over year. Online shoppers, only about 2%. So as the pandemic has continued to ebb, more people are are showing up to stores. And this is much better than what the group had forecast, the National Retail Federation. They were forecasting only 166 million people over that period were gonna be out there shopping. Now, early data shows that they didn't buy more items than last year during those visits, but spent by dollar amount rose. Why? Because of higher prices. And retail sales between Thanksgiving and this past Sunday rose 10.9% from a year earlier. Inflation is, you know, call it 8%-ish. Now, Cyber Monday continues to run as the biggest day for online spending. That rose 5.8%. Once again, that's actually, in real terms, negative. They spent more on toys, computers, appliances, apparel. They all had a lot of deep discounts. So there's a lot of spending there. Top sellers were Pokemon cards, Legos, Hot Wheels, Apple MacBooks, AirPods, smart TVs, and air fryers. Now, based on surveys, people are roughly half done with their shopping. So about half of the holiday spending has been done. Now the average shopper spent $325 on holiday purchases over the weekend, that's up 8% from 2021. Once again, on an inflation adjusted basis, it's roughly flat, which kind of reflects where we are in in the economy. We're kind of in a stall speed economy. Now online spending grew at a slower pace over Black Friday weekend compared to last year because more people uh, visited brick and mortar stores Online sales on Black Friday rose 2.3% to a little over $9 billion. Once again, negative in real terms. And on Thanksgiving, people spent $5.3 billion. That's up 2.9% from the same time last year. So not a terrible Black Friday weekend or Cyber Monday. Let's call it the the kickoff to the holiday shopping season. Uh, But not necessarily gangbusters either. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can get anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.